Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Stand with me and meet me in the book of 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings. Just a reminder this week, there's Power Hour on Thursday, Family Game Night on Friday. As the old wheel turns around, it just comes again and again, doesn't it? Quite quickly, though, it seems at times. Second Kings chapter number four, again, we do honor our guest this morning. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you both. Amen. Being here, glad for my mother-in-law and Anthony being here with us for Trevor's birthday and Mariah's competitions yesterday. So thankful for their diligence to make the trip. Amen. And come and be a part of uh, their grandchildren's lives whenever they can. Appreciate that. Amen. Second Kings chapter number four. And I want to read verse number 22 starting. I want to tell you up front today that I don't know how pervasive or wide my focus may be today. I, I feel this morning as though um, my target may be very narrow. My target concerning the subject matter of this sermon may be very narrow. As a matter of fact, in the wee hours this morning up, I, I felt that it could even just be one. I don't know if that one is here among us today or if it's by virtue of podcasts or what, but I feel as though I have a responsibility today, whether it were just one, to minister the word of the Lord we're going to minister here today. And I'm praying that God will help us. That God will help us. Verse 22 of 2 Kings chapter number 4. The Bible says. She called unto her husband. And said send me I pray thee. One of the young men. One of the asses that I may run to the man of God. And come again. He said wherefore wilt thou go to him today. It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off. that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold. Yonder is that Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her. Say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? She answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. The man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her. The Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. This morning, I would like to minister this subject today. I'm fine. I'm damaged. I'm fine. I'm damaged. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Will you ask God to help me today? Because I feel like I'm just walking in a dark room until I just find that one. God, I pray, oh Lord, today that you're able to help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Lord, do your perfect work. God, Lord, through this unlikely vessel this morning, God, I pray, Lord, set your arrow in the bow and help it, God, to meet its mark, I pray, Lord, today. We need the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus, in this place. Touch every mind, every heart. 
God, I pray, Lord, pulpit and pew and God beyond even the walls of this assembly, God, through means by which we have this morning. God, let heaven, Lord Jesus, do heaven's work this morning. God, and I just, Lord, just submit myself to you for the next little while. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah and amen and amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In Jesus' name. I'm fine. I'm damaged. 200,000 miles from earth. Traveling at 2,100 miles an hour was Apollo 13 on that fateful day. An explosion seemingly came out of nowhere. And along with the explosion went one whole side of the service module spacecraft. It was missing, floating in the oblivion of space. Astronaut and command module pilot John Swigert said, hey, we've got a problem here. When asked by home base to repeat his statement, he said what many people joke with and say today. He said, Houston, we've had a problem. And indeed they did. The trip instantaneously went from smooth sailing to a desperate fight to save the crew. The moon landing had to be abandoned and now it was a rescue mission. The damage exposed most of the inside of the service module to space. Within about three hours, all oxygen stores were lost, along with loss of water, electrical power, the use of the propulsion system. Again, remember, all the while being hundreds of thousands of miles away from the earth. On the surface, Apollo 13, the disaster there, seemed to be caused by an explosion, by the rupture of an oxygen tank number two, as they say in the service module. But the tank exploded because a fire heated and increased the pressure on the oxygen tank. A fire, though, was started because there were some exposed fan wires that shorted in the tank. The fan wires were exposed because prior to them ever even launching from earth, they emptied the tank using a higher voltage system than what it was designed for, plus some other details, but nevertheless. And they emptied the tank because tank number two showed a little anomaly in its pre-flight testing. Although they would never empty the tanks in space, they did down on the earth. But through a little bit further investigation, it proved that this outcome of an explosion was due to a series of events that had their origin in a happening that took place over a year earlier. The oxygen tanks were highly insulated spherical tanks which held a slush of liquid oxygen within them. They had a little fill line and a heater that would run down the center of those tanks. And the number two oxygen tank that was used in Apollo 13 had originally been installed in Apollo 10. It was removed from Apollo 10 for modification. And during the extraction, it was dropped two inches. Two inches. Slightly jarring the internal fill line. And so the tank was replaced with another one for Apollo 10. And the exterior was inspected. And the internal fill line was not known to be damaged. And this tank was then later installed, almost a year later, into Apollo 13. So the anomaly during the pretest caused them to empty the tank, use a higher voltage system, exposing and shorting wires finally causing a fire and ultimately an explosion during their trip to the moon because of a damaged fuel line that was on the inside of a tank that happened over a year earlier. Everything looked fine on the outside concerning that tank, but it had become damaged from a two-inch drop. On the inside, 
And while they attempted to find out what the anomaly was, everything that was done just compounded the problem to where finally there was an explosion. They had a little misunderstanding of what was irregular. They were trying to attend to it, emptied the tank, but doing that and doing it improperly, it just manifested itself just later while hundreds of thousands of miles from Earth in an explosion that sacrificed the whole side of the spacecraft and put the lives of the crew in jeopardy. The outside, I tell you again, of the tank was fine, but the inside was damaged. It would be nice at times this morning if our inner hurts were as noticeable as our outer hurts. If you have a cast on your arm or a sling holding it, everybody knows that something has happened. And that area of your body is maybe just a little bit more tender than some other areas. Everybody knows that. And as a result of that, they they are a little bit more cautious as they interact with you because they can see that. They can witness that. But a hurt that is hidden to the natural eye, a hurt that no one can see, is unknown by everyone. You're still the same old person, right? Still the same old person. There's there's no need to be careful or more considerate, right? Because I don't see that anything's wrong. I don't hear that anything's wrong in your voice. At least there's no reason for me to be aware of it or cause me to think any differently. And and so we as society, not being able to see that, we just trample along all those other hidden areas of your life just as though everything's fine, everything's dandy, there's nothing wrong because by all appearances, you're okay. By all appearances, there's nothing going on. See, people will generally talk about their outer hurts. Because what happens? Someone notices the arm in the sling or the cast on the leg and someone notices that and what's the question that comes out of some inquiring minds? What happened to you? Right? What happened to you? And, and some freely and some a little bit less freely may tell the story. He meant about what happened to them because they can't shrug off whatever took place as though nothing happened because it's apparent. Huh? You can't say, well, there's nothing happened, you know. You got a stiff arm over here that's in a cow. There's nothing that happened. You, you can't shrug that off. So you might as well explain what happened. It's apparent that something happened. But whenever there has been a hurt deep within a person, they can bury that thing. They can bury that thing with the pleasantries of please and thank you and and how are you doing? We're doing okay. And I'm having a pair. Things are going pretty well. You know, with my family, things are going pretty well in my job. And you can wear a good facade and you can bury a deep internal hurt. And you can shrug that off whenever people ask you, how are you doing? Huh? People ask you, how are you doing? You say, I, I'm doing okay or I'm doing fine because there's no hard, fast evidence on the outside that anything's wrong. That anything is topsy-turvy in your life. And, and so we just say, I'm fine. Amen. We just walk around, if you will, and we're showcasing a perfectly good oxygen tank, so to speak. But this morning, not every Mephibosheth, and those that know the story of Mephibosheth, not every Mephibosheth has been damaged, that has been damaged, has lame legs to prove the damage. There are some that have internal damage. It's with good reason. Just here recently, I went and got my physical from the doctor, and, and he went through his little uh, constant little routine that he does at a physical. With good reason, you know, those general practitioners, they, they have you to lay down on your back, and they push around on your stomach, and they push around on your abdomen, and they, they, they check that region during that physical. And they do that not because they seen something that caused them to do that, but it's what they might not be seeing. It's what they might not be seeing. Here in the scripture of 2 Kings chapter number 4, this woman, she, rena- she remains nameless to us. She is identified by where she is from. She's identified by where she lives. Simply, she is called the Shunammite woman. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings 4 that she is a great woman. She's mindful of the prophet. She's mindful of Elisha. She feeds him when possible and even creates a chamber for him and for his comfort whenever he passes by her house. 
in wondering what he could do for this woman because she had done so much for her had created a chamber, an extra room on her house, had fed him and take care of him. In wondering what could be done for such a woman, he sends Gehazi, his servant, amen, just to observe, to notice if there's anything. And Gehazi notices that this woman has a void in her life. She is without a child, and her husband is old. And without hesitation, Elisha calls this Shunammite woman to his side. And he prophesies over her that according to the time of life that she will embrace a child. In other words, the time that it takes for a mother to carry a baby to two full term, you are going to have a son. And she does indeed have a son. And that son grows up and he enters the field to help his aged father. And he complains on a certain day, my head, my head. Something is going on in his head. And he's taken to his mother and eventually he dies on her lap. She takes that boy, that limp body, that corpse, and she lays that boy on the man of God's bed. She requests a servant from her husband and a donkey from her husband that she can ride and go to Elisha the man of God. Her husband inquiring a little bit, why are you going to the man of God today? Why are you going? It's not a Sabbath. It's not a new moon. Why is this taking place? And the Bible says that whenever she states these words, amen, that she says it shall be well. Now that's in our English Bible. It shall be well. But in the Hebrew it's basically this. It stated shalom. Someone say shalom. It stated shalom. I must be about ready to die. He man start talking about death and becomes real in the microphone. It shall be well. He man shalom. That word, and Brother Mason could come up here and probably give us a whole lot more. Amen. Being a student of Hebrew now for several years. Amen. Although that word may mean peace among a lot of other things. And it also signifies a sense of well-being and harmony within and harmony without. In some respects, it is though simply just used as a greeting and a departing word. Amen. It's a pleasantry in many respects. And if I may bring it to our modern day lingo today, she was just basically telling her husband, it's fine. Someone say amen. Just basically telling him, it's time. She's making her journey of quite several miles. Elisha sees her coming in the distance. He knows that something must be up. There's no way that she would just travel 16 to 18 miles, as it were, to come and reach him and see him. It was no small undertaking for her to do this in this day. And so he sends out that, that servant Gehazi one more time, and he sends him with three questions. Ask her this, is it well with this? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? Go go and ask her shalom. Give the pleasantry. Give the greeting. Is everything fine? Is everything okay? And the Bible says the Shunammite, after hearing the question, said, It is well. But in reality, it was not well. There's some that believe, well, the Shunammite woman was speaking by faith that everything was going to be okay. That may be the case, but perhaps also she was just simply wearing a facade to cover up her fear, to cover up her disappointment, to cover up her worry, to cover up some damage. Just stay with me here today. When she reaches Elisha, she explodes. The Bible says that she falls down and she catches him by his feet and she seizes him by force. And this outburst is so intense that the Bible says Gehazi walks up and tries to thrust her away from the man of God. But Elisha says, let her alone, for her soul is vexed. Everybody say within. Within her. You know what Elisha said? This woman is damaged on the inside. By all external appearances, up to this moment, I know it seemed like She's okay. She's fine. That she's well. I know that according even to the place where she lives, she's revered as a woman. That she's a woman that has resources. She's been a woman that's been sensitive to the needs of the man of God. 
Even by her own admission, she has said everything in life is fine. Everything is well. Everything is okay. My husband's fine. My child's fine. I'm fine. He said, but the fact of the matter is this. This woman is vexed within. This woman is damaged on the inside. Can someone say amen? And I present to you that what she was facing in this moment, and listen to me today because I feel like the Spirit has laid something on my heart. I believe what this woman was facing, this was more than just about the loss of a son. Watch me now. This was more than just about the loss of a son. What this woman was dealing with in this moment that she had a hold of the feet of Elisha, she was dealing with the same issue that she had when she even found out she was going to have a son. What are you saying, Brother McGee? Second Kings 4 and verse 16, she found out she would have a son. And Elisha says, and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And the response of the Shunammite is this. She said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thy handmaid. And then when her boy is dead, and notice when she approaches Elisha and she has opportunity to speak, she doesn't say anything about the boy being dead. Not one word to him about that. All she says is this in verse 28. Did I desire a son of my Lord? She hadn't asked for that boy. She didn't ask for that son. It was granted to her. Gehazi just noticed something. Thought maybe that boy needed filled. They prophesied and it was so. Did I desire a son of my Lord? And look what she says. Did I not say do not deceive me? I'm here to tell you this morning that the internal damage of the Shunammite woman goes beyond the loss of the son because the loss of the son was nothing more but another situation that had been slanted negatively in her life. This woman had had trust that had been broken before or she would not say, don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. This woman had been wrongfully taken advantage of before or she would have spoken those words, Brother Fred. She was naively walking into an alley of disappointment where she had been before. The loss of the son was another event. The loss of the son was another scenario. This woman had something brewing within her spirit that had been taken advantage of before, that had been broken before, that had been shut down before. Someone say amen. See, she's not been a stranger to these type of happenings. She's not been a stranger to this type of hurt. For her, this has been her way of life. Falling prey over and over again to lies. Falling prey over and over again to deceptions. And I even perceive, even by men of God, because whenever he finally comes and stays at her house, she finally tells her husband after so many visits, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. I believe the Shunammite woman, even in in the past had been lied to and deceived on by men of God. Oh, yes. And so she says, don't, don't deceive me. Don't lie unto me. That was her communication to Elisha. Don't lie to me. Don't deceive me. People who say that's been lied to before. People that say that's been hurt by spirit of deception before. Listen to me. She's the Shunammite woman. No name. She's the Shunammite woman. Because she's known by where she lives. She's known by where she lives. And among the different meanings that the city Shunam means, it can mean double resting place. But Shunam, that city where she lived, also meant uneven. She has lived where it's not always been level. She has lived where it's not always been smooth. She has lived, she has known life where nothing has been regular. Nothing has been equal. Where inconsistencies were her daily bread. She has lived her life where it's been bumpy. She's lived her life where it's been rough. She's lived her life where it's been broken. On her path in life has been the sign, caution, uneven lanes ahead. That's where she has journeyed. That's where she has lived. She knows what it's like to have disappointment. She knows what it's like to have hurt. She knows what it's like to be broken. She knows what... 
look how uneven it is. At that place of a double resting place, she makes a room on the side of the house and that would be where the prophet who would tell her you're going to have a son that didn't have a son would rest and only later she would then take the dead carcass of that boy and cause him to rest in the same room. She had both life and death that rested in that room. See, that's uneven. That's not just life, but that's an uneven ground. We have life and we have death. We have high hopes and we have sorrows. It's an uneven place. And I perceive in the spirit, even if there's just one person in here, that there's somebody that's living in the place of the uneven. It's oftentimes bumpy. It's oftentimes rough. It's oftentimes disappointing. You've been taken advantage of. You have no outside thing that indicates it, but there's hurt and there's sorrow and there's disappointment and there's fear and there's broken trust. You're the Shunammite woman. You're the lady that lives where the uneven is, where the rough is, where the patchy. Someone say amen. She lives where internal damage, to speak from a two-inch drop, surfaces. Just enough indicate that something's not right but the solution or the attempted solution to get to the bottom of the problem only worsens the situation until finally where she found from living the, at the place where it's only finally she's found with her hands by force around the man of God crying out she's met her end of the rope and she says she's vexed which means bitter she's bitter within whatever it was in its infancy has matured into a spirit of bitterness whatever started as minuscule has surmounted a root of bitterness inside this woman and she's exploding now at the feet of the man of God because she's had internal damage. But on the outside, everything's looked well. She's a great woman. She has resources. She even says herself it's fine. But she says she's fine. But in reality, she is damaged. Now we can be Pentecostal and apostolic and walk in with the smiles on our faces. And have no indication of a sling or a cast. That anything is broken or maligned. But the reality of the situation is this. There's all times we walk in here. That people without casts and without slings have something deeper within the soul that they've been carrying on for the length of their salvation experience with God. They have hurts, they've been lied to, they've been deceived, and they live in areas of uneven places. And they've carried that with them. And instead of it healing, it only gets calloused. And instead of that being relieved, it only builds up almost like steam inside of an oak kettle. And they're dealing day after day. And it seems like when someone would say, you know, there's something there, and they would try to help, it only intensifies what's really going on in their life. It's kind of like the lady with the issue of blood in the New Testament. She had an issue of blood. Her condition may have not been real outward, maybe a little anemia, maybe some weakness, but by and large, it was an internal issue. But the Bible says she suffered many things of many physicians. And what happened? But rather grew worse. They attended to her, but it didn't take care of the issue. It got worse. Here's the fact of the matter today. Issues that are left unattended to, or at best improperly attended to, will only get worse. See, that's how a damaged internal field line leads to an explosion. That's how moon landings have to be turned into rescue missions. The Bible tells, I know this is different this morning, that's all right, you're all tired anyway. The Old Testament story is a, a hitha opal. He hangs himself. A hitha opal committed suicide. He committed suicide. But at one time he had been a faithful counselor to King David 
faithful counselor, the King David. Absalom got rebellious toward the throne. The Bible says that a hippo joined forces against David. And Ahithophel even advised Absalom, why don't you allow me to get an army together? Now I'll go dispose of David for you. But the Bible says one that David still had on his hand by the name of Hushai, that Hushai thwarted the plan of Ahithophel. And whenever that plan was thwarted, the Bible says that Ahithophel went home and he hung himself. He went home and he committed murder. Now for us, just reading it, just a cursory reading of that story, we look at it and seem like this is nothing more but a cause and effect type of issue. Hushai thwarted the plan of Ahithophel. That's the cause. And the effect is he commits suicide. But can I tell you this morning, long before that time, Ahithophel, as a granddad, watched David ruthlessly sabotage his granddaughter Bathsheba's life and murder her husband. And yet he continued to serve David after that time. And so everything must have been fine, right? He switched allegiances to Absalom. He must be okay, right? He plots to kill David. Everything on the surface is okay, right? There's nothing wrong. But folks, there was. There was an internal hurt from years earlier when his granddaughter, you hear me? When his granddaughter Bathsheba was taken advantage of by the king only years later to manifest itself when he couldn't do what he wanted to do. He ended his life in suicide. You know what happens with a lot of these suicide victims? Nobody knows anything's wrong. They ask the close intimacies of their family. Did you notice anything? No, Joe, it's just the same old Joe. We just had dinner the other night. We went here, we did that. We laughed and had a good time. What happens? Everything's fine on the outside. But see, there's something damaged. Sarabahoshaya. There's something damaged on the inside. See, they're not seeing the uneven place where that person really lives. Woo! They're not seeing that rough patch and, and that difficult. They're not seeing the lies and the deception that they've had to contend with. They're really, they're really, if you will, hurt and damaged on the inside. They, 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 they talk to you, but they really don't feel like they have a voice. They say all the pleasantries of please and thank you and everything's great and I'm fine. But the fact is, they're damaged. In 2011, there was a study by researchers at Michigan State University in West Point. It may make us think twice. They followed dozens of bus drivers for two weeks looking to see when they flashed fake versus genuine smiles at their passengers. The results showed that on days when the drivers tried to put on an act, fake a good mood, their actual moods got a little worse. The result of the driver's study was explained by a couple other universities who found that negative feelings like sadness or anger only intensify feel bad about ourselves and when our outward appearances contradict how we truly feel on the inside. He said because humanity at the core don't like to be inauthentic but we feel like society has deemed us we must be. So what does that mean? That if I'm hurt on the inside and someone asks me is everything okay? I don't want to be inauthentic. I really want to cry out. But my environment tells me, no, you need to keep that quiet. And so I say, everything's all right. Couldn't be any better. Marriage is good. Wife and kids are doing great. Why? Because we wouldn't want to show any weakness that can't be seen now, would we? 
I would dare to say if some of us could break our leg and keep anybody from knowing that we broke our leg, we would. So everything's fine, everything's okay. But inside there's people that's walking around with damage on the inside. They really want to cry out, but, but you know what? Society doesn't smile upon someone talking about a weakness or a hurt or a faux pas or a flaw on the inside. See, you're supposed to be stronger than that. You're, you're supposed to be tougher than that. You need to buck up, buddy, and just move on. But you know what? Sometimes instead of telling people to pick up the pace, you've got to bend down and help them pick up the pieces. Whenever I read the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah isn't so much about a prophet being disobedient. It's not so much about Nineveh repenting as much as it is about a man that is dealing with unresolved anger because of some issue. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he feared that the people would repent. He feared that the people would make it right. And knowing the tendency of God, he knew that God would forgive them for making the issue right. And God would not destroy them the city because of their repentance. That's the reason why Jonah did not go to Nineveh. Jonah was dealing with some internal damage. God even asked Jonah, why are you so angry? He didn't ask him, why were you disobedient? He said, why are you angry? He said, why are you angry? I'll tell you why. Because it's about a man that evidently somewhere in the past he experienced something where he thought somebody, hey man, got by with something when they should not have. Jonah's acting out the reason why Jonah's acting the way is this. Somewhere in his past, somebody got by with something he thought they for sure should have not got by. They should have had judgment to the umph of the law. They should have been they should have been chastised. They should have been punished. And so now he's looking at Nineveh through those eyes of hurt, through those eyes of damage. Amen. And he's saying, My goodness, they just need to, they just need to meet, if you will, their judgment. They need to experience what they have coming to them. Amen. They need to give what they deserve and all of that is coming from a hurt man all of that is coming from a damaged man that made him hard that hurt made Jonah hard as a prophet and it made him unforgiving he's a prophet of God but he's not fine he's damaged And that's right, I might not be able to perceive it. It might even for some go unnoticed until it's too late. But Elisha said, when the Shunammite grabbed his legs and he knew them that she was vexed within, he said, the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Here's the fact of the matter. Man cannot see the heart of another man because if so Samuel would have noticed the unseen qualities of David when he first paraded before him for anointing someone to be king and he would have not been so impressed with the surface qualities of the eldest brother Eliab the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16 and 7 look at what the word says in that moment of Samuel anointing one of the boys to be king Amen. He thinks that Eliab's going to be the one, but the Lord speaks to him. The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Look at this. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance. That's all we can go off of. But the Lord looketh on In other words, when you and I hear it is well, I'm fine, God hears the groaning, the soul. 
when others see how, how well we got it all together. No, they just got it all together. That's a great woman, you know. Everything's just all together. God sees how we're falling apart. Huh? I mean, for everyone that sees a tank un undamaged, God sees the damage in the field line, so to speak. God sees you as you are. And while your pleasantries may fool me and your pleasantries may fool your family, you're not fooling God. And while you think you got that thing hid and tucked back and you just give me five more years and I'll get beyond this. You know, time heals all things. Let me tell you, time will heal nothing that's not dealt with. And I'm here to tell you today, God is in this place this morning. Not just here, but in the waves and the podcast that's to come. If you're sitting in your home when you hear this, God is on the prowl, seeking out, going beyond the facade of the outward appearance and looking at the heart of men and women and he hears the true cry of the soul he sees the bitterness of a spirit he knows the damage of a soul God he knows that I'm fines are really I'm damaged Let's raise our hands right now to the Lord. God sees the uneven places. God sees the uneven places. God sees the patchy roads. God sees the brokenness. God sees the unequal, the unbalanced places. God sees the inconsistencies. God sees the hurts. God sees the damage of the soul. God sees. Huh? Oh, and uh -huh. Jesus, it makes it if you come today. I love Hoshai if you stand with me this morning. I know Robo Hosi. I know Rama Hashaya. That's just not a loss of a son she's dealing with. She's dealing with having lived in an uneven place. Having lived in an uneven place. The, the loss of the son was just, just another notch on the belt of the uneven place. Cast all your cares upon me, saith the Lord. Yea, but Lord, I cannot cast my cares upon thee. I would ask of thee, allow me to carry you. And as I carry you, I'll carry your care. Yea, as I carry you, I'll carry the damage that's on the inside of you. For I, the Lord, have an eye toward thee. I have a heart of compassion that is directed over thee. Yea, I desire to cover thee with my wings and to protect thee. Yea, I, the Lord, would say unto thee that there is healing. Yea, I, the Lord, would say unto me, to thee that there is a place where the past can become the past and your fine can turn into a it is well and everything is great and it can be true. Yea, I, the Lord, would like to walk into the corridors of the secret places of your life. I, the Lord, would like to walk into the hidden areas of your life. Throw off your facade. Grab a hold of my feet and cry out to me. For I, the Lord, see you 
when nobody else sees you. And I hear you when nobody else can hear what's being spoken through your voice. I, the Lord, know, and I am not ignorant, but I ask you today, just come unto me and throw yourself upon me, and I, the Lord, will carry you when you cannot carry yourself, and I'll make headway when you cannot put one foot in front of the other, because I, the Lord, am your God. I'm spellbound. Every time I read a verse in the New Testament where blind eyes are open. I'm in all of every occurrence where I read that deaf ears are unstopped. Where the mute is made to speak again and the lame is empowered to walk again. There's nothing that surpasses the, the readings of the New Testament where the dead are being brought back to life again. But among all of them is also the place where Jesus went to the temple and it was his day to read from the scripture. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. and He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. For every moment that people were wowed over God doing the miraculous and the visible of blind eyes, lame legs, deaf and mute, there were equally as many of hurts that were never seen. Hurts that were never seen that amending took place. No one was ever the wiser, but he did it. He had been sent to heal the brokenhearted. That mission has remained unchanged. God can take care of your cancer. He can take care of the strokes. Bob Gross. But greater than that, Sister Cox, he can get to that part of you that no one sees behind your facade that everything's well and says no I got my finger on that thing right there because I'm a healer of the broken hearted and I know that you're really damaged <laughs> but as humanity we're amused by what we can see but God operates on a level that's even hidden to us he deals with damage seen and unseen. Known and unknown. It's perhaps one of the greatest aspects about my God. Isaiah writing about the suffering servant, which would be the Christ. He said, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. God deals with our anguish. God deals with our affliction, with our grief. He can heal our inner pain, our sorrow, because he sees not as man sees. God's able to turn this service this morning into a rescue mission. We bow our heads in this place this morning. I've been commissioned today by heaven to go on a search if it is just but for one today. Whether they're here or whether they are those that will hear a podcast in the days to come. The Spirit of the Lord has set me on a mission this morning. It might be narrow, but I'm crying out to you today.
I'm crying out to the men and the women that are sitting here, both regulars and guests that are here today, that deep within the recesses of your life and of your spirit, there could be a hurt. There could be some lies and deceptions that, that you were the victim of. There could be some things smoldering in your spirit, smoldering in your soul today that everybody, some people picked up on it, but what they did didn't help it. It just made matters worse. I'm telling you today, we have a God that has some gentle hands and he's a gentleman today and he knows how to get down on the level of the hidden. He knows how to get down on the level of the unseen and minister. Oh. When the Bible talks about that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I know we're thinking about some grand, you know, sword and it has that aspect, but there's another meaning to that word too, meaning it's a scalpel that it's an instrument of sharpness in the hand of a man that knows how to work it. What does the surgeon do with the scalpel? He knows exactly where to lay it. He knows how long to make the incision in order to get to what he needs to get to. He's not just chopping, but he's doing it with precision. Our God today has the ability of using his word, not just for judgment and correction, but he can be very precise as I feel he's being this morning and lay the scalpel to a life. close our eyes today this altar is open I know it takes courage to take the first step when nobody can see the hurt I know it takes courage to take the first step when nobody can see the brokenness and it's all just absorbed right there in what you experience day in and day out amen and you've covered it up with all of the everything's fine and everything's I know it's difficult but I'm here today you're not doing this for me you're not doing this for this church you're doing this for you and for your God because God desires to heal a broken heart today God desires to heal a broken heart today it doesn't matter if it's been three weeks three months or three years God is wanting to heal a broken heart today just as much as he wanted the blind to see just as much as he wants those that are diseased in their bodies to be healed he wants your emotional broken us to be healed today come on sir come on ma'am fine brother make it well in reality you may be damaged I might not be able to see it God may have hid it from me even but God doesn't see as I see. God sees it. God hears the voice. He hears the groaning that cannot even be uttered today. Come on, church family. If you're not up here, pray and pray where you are. If you see somebody up here that might be encouraged by you coming alongside them and praying with them, please come today. There's people up here with hurts. There's people up here, amen, by making their way. They feel like maybe God could do something on the hidden areas of their life, the unseen areas of their life this morning. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.